Welcome to the Truth Doctor Podcast, hosted by Dr. Courtney Tracy. In each thought-provoking episode, Dr. Tracy cuts through the bullshit and dives into the mental health of her guests to help you better understand your own mind. This podcast is made in collaboration with Dive Through, a mental wellness company. Hello, and welcome back to the Truth Doctor Podcast. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. You know me on the internet as the Truth Doctor, and today... We're switching things up a little bit. I have to tell you guys that this day is probably one of the biggest days of my entire life. And I know if any of you follow me on Instagram, then you know I've been sort of counting down for the last week, maybe for the last five weeks up to today. And for those of you that follow me on TikTok, you may see, haven't really made any videos, but I have put out some ads because, hey, girl's got to keep the income while she's making a transition. And speaking of transition, we are going to be doing something a little bit different today. I am actually going to be getting interviewed myself by the first guest in this season of the Truth Doctor podcast, Sophie Gray. You guys may remember her from the first episode being introduced as the founder of Dive Through, a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. Why is she interviewing me, you might ask? Well, you're going to have to wait and find out. So Sophie Gray, thank you so much. Let's get into it. Okay, well, thank you for giving me this honor of having this conversation uh, with you today. So I want to start things off a little easily and ask you, how are you feeling about being interviewed on your own show? That's a good question. I feel, I feel like I've like interviewed myself. I like feel like I like talk about myself a lot. And not in like a conceited way and like a helpful way for people, but I, I'm a little nervous because um, I don't know what you're going to ask, but I do know that today is really important. And I, I don't typically think about like the words I'm going to use or how I'm going to describe myself or my life, but I have a feeling that this episode is going to be listened to multiple times over the course of my life. And so I'm a little nervous, but overall, I'm very, very excited to be able to be having myself interviewed because it's for such a wonderful reason. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, no pressure for me if this is something you're going to be looking back on through many phases <laughs> of your life. And and we're going to get into all of it. And I'm really excited to, to dive into this conversation and get to the end point and we'll get there. But before we do, I want to ask you how you're feeling about this pivotal chapter and this, this, this thing we're alluding to, how are you feeling right now? It's been a long time since someone's asked me that. I think I am feeling sick to my stomach. Um, but I know that that could mean so many different things. My mind relates my stomach like turning and like my insides shaking as anxiety. But I also know that your stomach could turn when you are really excited and your nerves could start going when you meet someone that you think you're going to fall in love with for the first time. And so what I'm trying to do is remind myself that 
my body doesn't actually know what's going on. And it may not just be anxiety. It could also be hopefulness and stepping into the unknown with confidence. So I'm nervous and I feel sick and I think I'm really, really excited. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like we, like we said, we're really going to kind of set the stage here before we dive into this very exciting news and announcement. And I want to take a step back and really talk about child Courtney, child Dr. Mm-hmm. Tracy, let's call her. And I know that you've shared a really in-depth story on your mental health journey in the Meet the Truth Doctor episode, which I 10 out of 10 recommend everyone listening to check out if you haven't. And in that episode, you shared your experience from growing up in poverty and not having your father actively in your life to, to going to rehab and feeling disconnected from your peers. And right now, I want to get into that, but not in a way of recounting the kind of the traumas and the experiences I want to talk about how you felt in those formative years and what they initially taught you about life and your mind and and everyone's mind in a way so what did your trauma and your experience in your childhood feel like all the feels it's like I find myself like I don't know what to say, but I do know what to say. But I think it's like that, like, like, oh, it's my turn to, to dive in. And um, it felt really, I would say, okay, I don't really remember um, like four and under and I have this one video of mine that my mom shows me often when we lived in Louisiana for a very short period of time. And I'm being super bossy. Like I'm like, go get my flower jacket. The one that matches this shirt. Like, you know where it is. You were supposed to get it. And I'm like four years old. And my mom is like, you, you were always like that. And so I guess before, before four or four and before, I think I was bossy and I think I didn't have like a lot of intelligence, you know, to like know more than just like, where's my flower jacket? And like having that like desire to like want people to like do what they said that they were going to do. So bossy. At five, I remember like a very like pivotal point for me was like, I was wearing a pull up in kindergarten and there's a point to this. And I was wearing a pink dress and the wind blew it up and everyone in line in my kindergarten line saw that I was wearing a pull-up and they were laughing, calling it a diaper. And I was so anxious and so like embarrassed and felt so isolated. And I would say that that Oh, and when I was in kindergarten, I had this one friend, his name was Daniel. He was a little Mexican boy and he would always get picked on by the white boys in kindergarten. And like, I obviously had no like understanding of the divide that I would experience that so many would experience and or see later on in society. But I remember also being very uh, like, I remember advocating for him and like going and like telling them to stop being 
mean or telling them to stop being mean to him. And so I think at five, and that's when you like get exposed to like a bunch of people. And it's also when you get exposed to a bunch of different lifestyles of like, oh, this person's mom's car looks like this. And this person's backpack looks like this and supplies look like this. And I think from five onward for a really long time, all of the emotions that I just expressed were there. Like I was anxious. I was embarrassed. I felt isolated and I really wanted to just help people be happy. And like, I didn't like seeing people be picked on. And like, what's interesting was that when I turned in like first grade, second grade, third grade, when I turned into that person that was being picked on that advocacy and that outreach like disappeared. And all I felt was that embarrassment and that loneliness and judgment. And what I did was I internalized that. Like I internalized six, seven, eight-year-olds like opinions who are there were so little. And I internalized those and created them as my own voice because the way that I felt at home was the same. And I thought like, oh, so this is just how I should be feeling. Like I should just be feeling like disconnected and isolated. And like, this is who I am. And from a really young age, I, I, I developed an identity for myself. And I would say that that's for better or for worse. It's for the better now. And it was for the worse then. And I didn't have anybody who was changing that perspective for me. I didn't have, you know, my mom was a single mom. She had, you know, had two like failed relationships, one marriage, not to, not to my father, but to my brothers. And we lived, you know, with my grandparents and they were fighting a lot. And my uncle who um, was mentally disabled. And it was like, I was just stuck in my own mind and I saw so many other people's. And so I was also like, I think curiosity was created in me, like the feeling of like being curious, but like tied to pain. Like it wasn't curious, like, oh, like where does the butterfly go when the butterfly's not on the flower anymore? It was like, why are, why is there so much screaming? And why is my mom so sad? And why is my dad not around? And like, why, like, what's that smell in my dad's car? And like, why is my grandpa drinking all of these beers all of the time and like getting so mad at us and like hiding away? So I was, it was the feeling of curiosity attached to pain. It was the feeling of isolation and loneliness. And, um, yeah, it, it felt very small. And I am small. I'm only five foot. I'm very tiny. Um, but the world felt small. And I think where I'll leave it is like, and I tell my husband this, this story all the time because we grew up on a hill, like probably one mile up and down this hill. And I lived on the bottom of one side and he lived on the bottom of the other side. For almost our whole lives, we actually met for the first time right at the top of that hill at a movie theater and like saw each other for the first time. And <clears throat> I didn't know the name of the street that he lived on. I had never been to it and it was only a mile away. I only knew my street and the 
three streets that it took for me to get to my school, which was less than a mile away. And whenever I would travel anywhere, like to like the Mexican bakery, when my grandma wanted to pick up bread, it felt like I was like in a different country. I literally did not know more than a one mile radius of all of those emotions. Like it's making me emotional. Like just all of those emotions that I just described, like they were just in like a one mile radius. And so my world was small and confusing and isolative. Um, And for a really long time, that made me very angry. Like from five to like 15, probably 14 before I met my husband. And I was certainly still angry (laughs) after I met him, but I felt, but the world was more expansive. So a lot changed then, but it was a really difficult decade for sure. When I hear you sharing that story, the word powerless comes to mind. Does that register for you? Do you relate to that? Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that's, that's exactly what it felt like. And the interesting thing is with you saying that is like, that's the two female figures that were in my life. That was like kind of what they radiated like powerlessness against the men that didn't love them or the men that said they did and and hurt them all the time. And having to work like at least one job started at three in the morning or multiple jobs. And, but they were so powerful at the same time. And I know that now, but all I saw was like defeat. It just felt like defeat at all times. And so, yeah, I internalized that and I felt, yeah, really powerless. And do you think this, this feeling of powerlessness and your past is why you're so dedicated to supporting other people with their mental health to, to maybe give them back the power that you've, you've gained and learned that you had all along? I do. I do because knowing what I know now, there's reasons why there's reasons why I felt the way that I felt, you know, a lack of information. There's a reason why I saw what I saw in my household and and it was a lack of information and a lack of understanding and a lack of connection. And, you know, I think often we don't really know why we're put on this planet, but the things that we go through help us determine our purpose and the meaning of it. And like, I know we'll get to it. And like, that's what I learned on my journey was like, there was a reason why what happened in my childhood happened. And that's not to like negate, like that trauma fucking sucks. And I don't think people have to go, they don't, we don't have to go through trauma to find our meaning and our purpose, but if we have been it, it usually becomes a part of that. And so I want to help people who have had what any type of story that they would consider to be trauma or that I could help them or somebody could help them realize is um, to make that part of the meaning and purpose of their life and not a reason to not have one. Mm -hmm. I love that. So you mentioned a a lack of information and I think anyone looking through your platforms can really see that dedication that you have to providing information and really psychoeducation as we know it is today. So I want to talk about 
where you took that lack of information and where it led you in your, your academic um, journey and what drove you to taking that in school? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good next question because, you know, I, I described my childhood up to 15 and, or 14, 15. And that's when I met my husband, then boyfriend, obviously, but not for much longer. (laughs) We got married pretty young. And that's when I met my husband's father. And he is also Dr. Tracy. And his, my husband's family was, um, is very different than mine. Um, and I can see that there, there are pros and cons to every family dynamic. And, um, but one of the pros being exposed to his family was that there was a figure that was a doctor, was a medical doctor. And I'm telling you, Sophie, they had the white picket fence. They had like the great marriage. They had the nice like suburban house. Um, and it was right on the other side of the hill from my house. Like, it's just crazy. Like the, the discrepancies that, that people can experience so close to each other and have like no idea that like these other opportunities or these other possibilities of, of life are, are available. So it was super encouraging. And I have an aunt in my family who's a nurse as well. And, you know, when I was growing up, she was like the go-to, like she would like help support, like buying me back to school clothes and like being that support. So it was always like people in some type of helping field that like went through like years of school that like really like, I was like, these people seem like they have like what we need to survive and like live. And so I was like, I want to like, I want to be that. Like, and I used to think I wanted to be a doctor, like just a doctor. And, um, I couldn't, I could, I tried taking physics 101, like three times and I couldn't get past like the first week. And I was like, because I like, like, I'm more, way more biological than like physics or chemical. And I just like, couldn't do it. I'm like, this isn't, I don't want to go this deep. I want, I like being conceptual. So I didn't go the medical doctor route that I thought I was going to go when I was 15, but then I went to rehab because I was trying to learn about the world through substances. And that caused me so many different emotions as well. And a lot of fucking chaos, but I went to treatment for the first time and I realized like, oh, like I don't have to just become a doctor to help people. I can help people like that have been going through the same thing as me. And I'm like, this is so interesting. Like, so psychology, I was like, okay. Like when I asked this guy, his name was Chris at this rehab, like, what do the therapists study? Like, oh, they study mental health and psychology. Okay. So I had to actually clean up my act a little bit. And at 16, took that AP psych class and was like, this is it. Like, this is going to help me find the answers to the questions that I had growing up. And so I kind of went with that and I actually had a good enough GPA to like go to like a state school, but I was, you know, I I still was using substances after I went to rehab. And so my husband and I went to Santa Barbara and to the city college. And that's where both of his parents also went to college and where my husband's grandparents grew up and like built like the Mesa 
<clears throat> up there, like the electricity grid or something like they owned like a lot of it. And so we were like, this is great. And for me, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, I'm going to attach to like the Tracy legacy. Like I'm totally going to like do great in school. And I like was failing. Okay. First community college, I became president of the honor society, president of the psychology club, president of the philosophy club, like started all these like initiatives at school, all while drinking extremely heavily and still masking my trauma and my anxiety from my childhood. Selling cocaine, being fired for being hungover instead of giving tours at the city college where I was an admissions person there, just like leaving families like at the school with no one there because I was too hungover. It was a disaster. Um, then my me and my husband got into a very difficult situation um, where the cops were involved when I was 20 and I ended up moving home for like six months. And I started connecting with my ex, the one person that like I dated before my husband, like, you know, middle school relationship, but I started dating him. And um, I found out that he had, that he was diagnosed with cancer at 20 and he ended up passing away very shortly after that. And so I went in a very deep spiral and it was really, really, really hard specifically because it happened right around Valentine's day. Um, and I said, I would spend that day with him and I didn't, I spent it with my ex who is now my husband. <laughs> um, and so it was super hard. So I went in this deep, deep spiral and I thought I'm never going to go back to school. Like I'm a fucked up person. Like I do fucked up things and my trauma and my anxiety are always going to control me. And my husband, my now husband would text me all the time and be like, you know, you don't have to put yourself in this deep hole. Like I'm still where you went to school. Like you can come back, like you can stay on the course. And I listened to him and I went back to Santa Barbara and then I started to do better in school. I still came back and had you know a lot of drinking issues and and after my ex had passed away I there were two more ex-boyfriends from middle school that also passed away one in a car accident while in, intoxicated and another from an overdose of opiates um so I was struggling because every person that I had ever felt something towards had passed away and I had this like fear that that was going to happen to my husband because people were saying I was cursed, like this girl is fucked up and she's cursed and like all of her issues kill people. And it was really hard and it took me a long time to come out of that, but I pushed forward in school and um, I started working in a rehab and I had to leave Santa Barbara because I just kept like using drinking and stuff. And so we moved to LA and I was still getting my bachelor's degree. And I was like, I need to get a job. Like I can't just be doing school and sitting with my thoughts. I need to get a job. I need to enter this, this, this world of education and help. So I got a job at a treatment center in Malibu and from a Craigslist ad. And it was like, and you know, I was like super into rehab and like, cause I was probably someone that could have gone there. And I also wanted to work there. And, you know, celebrity rehab was super huge at the time in America, Bob Forrest, Dr. Drew, and this Craigslist ad was, it was like where Bob Forrest worked. And I was like, I'm going to meet Dr. Drew. 
I'm going to become this like famous Malibu therapist and I'm going to work with celebrities and it's going to be great. And I'm going to change my life and the lives of other people. I was still drinking pretty heavily um, and really struggling. And my best friend who introduced me to my husband started using meth and heroin. And she was on like her journey for like four years while I was in school. And so we were on two very different paths. And then she one day decided to actually get clean because more people were dying of the opiate epidemic over and over again, probably 10 to 12 people in like a 15 month period, which was so hard, but she did it and she got clean and she's been clean for years. And I was like, she got her life together. Like I need to get my life together. I really need to start focusing on school. And when I had that job in Malibu, I graduated with my bachelor's degree in psychology. I applied to USC for my master's in social work. I got accepted while I was in that job. I completed my master's degree while I was in that job. And my degree was in social work. And the reason for that was this was also when there were a lot of school shootings that were going on in America. And I realized that there was a lot of macro issues with like mental health. And I knew like living in poverty, like employment is so important and like healthcare is so important and like people understanding family dynamics and like certain family roles and living in like a multicultural household. Like just, I learned so much about society and the world and the pain that comes associated with all of those things. And so social work was really my first point of like, I want to know what happens in the individual, what happens in the family and what happens in society. And I graduated with my master's degree. And then I said, I'm going to go get my doctorate because I want to be Dr. Tracy too. I want to have a stable family. And so I applied and being on social media, a lot of people are like, oh, like she didn't go to like an accredited doctorate program. And it's like, (laughs) today I own an, an accredited treatment center. And like, let me tell you, it's like, it doesn't like matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. Like there are people who go to accredited doctorates and they are terrible therapists um, for one reason or another for the, for, for them. Yeah. And um, others that aren't. So I went to the, I applied to the doctorate program and, and then things started to change when I realized that I wanted to possibly work for myself. Mm-hmm. So I want to, take a little bit of a step back for a second, because listening to your story, listening and hearing all of the the trauma and the adversity that you faced in both outside of yourself and inside of yourself, that internal struggle and that experience with drugs and, and substance abuse. And then you turned it around, but that's, that's not really, I think that's the, when we think about the perfect story of the the perfect success story it's easy to be I was at point a and now I'm at point z z whatever we want to call it and I want to I don't love when people ask what would you tell your childhood self that's that's not what I'm asking what I want to know is for your listeners that are caught in their trauma in their in their minds in their struggles regardless of if it looks like your struggle or not what would you say to them 
knowing that they want to get out of it as you have? What would you say to them? That's a good question. Um, I mean, the first, the, what's coming to my mind is just like, the, it's just, there's more to it, but it's this word, stop. And now that I like think about that, when I was running a group at, at my treatment center that um, is in Santa Barbara, uh, we were doing an art group and that's what I wrote. I wrote stop. And it's so strange to think that that's the same thing that's coming up for me again. And what that means to me is like, stop hurting yourself, like by blaming yourself and by thinking that because you've been hurt by others that you have to hurt yourself now to have control over it. So stop is the first thing. And the next would be, you don't know a lot. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. Because that means that you don't know about all of the solutions and you don't know about all of the other causes and you don't know about the greatness that is your future. And like, I think back to this time when I was in high school and like, my now husband like didn't want to hang out with me. And I was like, so fucking crazy. And I'm calling myself that because back then that's what I called myself. And I'm okay with using terms I used to call myself. because that's my story. And I like smashed my hand into my mirror and like the glass like got in like my hands and like, you know, so my hand would bleed and I send the picture to like my husband or my, you know, my now husband, like come save me. And he did, he like came over and was like, you're really being like a lot, <laughs> like you need to stop being so much, like you're hurting yourself and you don't need to. And that, that's something that comes up for me is like the, all the chaos that we create ourselves because it's comfortable. We can stop. Like you don't have to do that to yourself. Like that's not like, that's, you don't have to live in that world. Um, like it does get better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To repeat that, it does get better. I love that. Um, you mentioned how, yeah, we don't know what we don't know. And a lot of the time that's a good thing. And, but a lot of that time we are so hard on ourselves and we don't understand that we're experiencing this trauma because, you know, even that word wasn't really around. So when you ha have gone through this education and have, have gained your, your doctorate in, in psychology and social work, what understanding have you gained about your own trauma and the experiences that you've faced? That's a great question. This is an, a question I hope everybody can answer at some point in their life. And that's, that's a lot of the, the point of, of my platform. So <clears throat> What I've learned is that the body and the mind want to protect us from physical and psychological pain. And when we experience it, our body and our mind integrate it and try to make sense of it. And they also, like, they create, like, sensors 
very sensitive sensors that can detect if that thing is going to happen to you again. And it develops a response to protect you from that thing or those things happening again. And so we find ourselves being in the same traumatic responses in times when we perhaps don't need to be. And as human beings, we like to fill in the gaps. We like to have the answers to the questions. And I think what's super interesting is that I went throughout my life and, and maybe I'm an anomaly, I don't know, but it seems to be that my mind is special in some way to be where I'm at today and like have this understanding and this desire to help is like, I never filled the answers for myself. Like I just had all the questions and instead of like having my mind, like resolve them, like, Oh, like you're just like a bad person or whatever. Like I just numbed myself instead. And like didn't, I didn't solve them. I just numbed myself because there were no answers. It's like, I was waiting until I knew that I didn't have to numb myself anymore to like, because the answers were like showing up for me. And the way that the answers showed up for me was like in my master's program and in my doctorate program and like really learning about physiology and what trauma does to the body and learning about the brain and how it divides your experiences in different ways based on like what it thinks you should remember and what it thinks you shouldn't based off of like what would just like hurt you so bad. And that we, we tell ourselves stories to get by and we don't know if they're right or not. And also we have really limited information. Like even today, I don't know a lot. I never will know everything. And a lot of us never will. And like that was really helpful. It's sort of like when I started realizing that there were a bunch more streets in my neighborhood than I ever thought. It's, we are actually very close-minded even with everything that we could possibly know because we'll never know the true story of why everything happened in our lives and we have to become okay with that. And our body and our mind are connected but our body doesn't have a mind and we have to like bring consciousness into it and like learn what our body is doing for us and tell it when what it's doing is causing more harm than help. And the mind is complicated and we have a very deep unconscious. And I say unconscious because there's the subconscious mind, but then there's the things that function in our body unconsciously, like breathing and our heart beating and our immune system and all those things are affected by trauma. So our mind and body are wild and that's what we experience our life through, our whole life through those two things. And trauma affects those and, and, and in many different ways. And at least if you know that that is a fact, then you know that probably parts of yourself that you don't like are not actually who you are, but they are manifestations of what you have been through. And that was really the pivotal point for me. Maybe I'm not this anxious, isolative, lonely, powerless person. Maybe that's just what my trauma did to me and it is fully possible to undo it. Mm -hmm. I love that. So we've talked a lot about your childhood and then your young adulthood um, and your uh, academic career. So 
let's kind of, let's talk about where you landed in your career during uh, your university experience and afterwards, where have you, what have you been up to before you became the truth doctor that everyone knows today? Yeah, so I applied for my doctorate at that place in Malibu. Um, I applied and began my master's or my, my doctorate program in December of 2016. And I decided when, right when I started my doctorate, I was like, this is going to go fucking far. Like I have reached the last chapter in my education and I have been working at the place I've been working at for three years. And I've gotten like seven promotions. I'm like running the whole clinical department. I'm like 25 years old, running like a 75 client facility in like one of the most luxurious and desirable places in the world, working with celebrities and um, seeing what that's like in the media and the things that they do to get by. And I also realized that it was very high luxury treatment. And I was, as I was getting my master's program, I realized like I'm losing the connection with people. And I really want to work more closely with individuals. So in March of 2017, I incorporated Good Heart Recovery an outpatient treatment center for addiction and mental health in Santa Barbara. And then my bosses found out and we separated in April and they were really encouraging and actually gave me a helpful boost, which was very helpful to get the business started. And I opened up Good Heart Recovery in July of 2017 while still getting my doctorate. My grandfather died three weeks into that business opening. And I was doing in vitro fertilization all at the same time. And the business opened and there was just the four of us partners, myself, my husband, and two other partners. And we had a capacity of six clients. And We grew slowly over time and a lot happened throughout that journey, like the Thomas fire and like the, that was like at the time, the largest fire in California history. I think we had the, we had a local mudslide that shut down the freeway in Montecito that where I had to run the whole program by myself for three weeks while doing IVF and trying to get pregnant and still grieving the loss of my grandfather. Um, And it was really hard because I think 19 people passed away in that mudslide and our our community was really devastated. And it just, there's so much just like death, Sophie, like throughout this whole, like my whole journey. And um, it was so hard to run this business. And I was young and I was a female and people were like, the community was like, she, you know, where I'm from is Orange County and it's called the, the rehab Riviera. And there's a lot of messed up shit that goes on in rehabs down here. And, you know, there were articles coming out about me in the Santa, the local Santa Barbara news that I'm this like, like young, like fragile, like 
in like unknowledgeable woman that's trying to come in and like have this really like uh deceitful and like fraudulent business which none of that was true and so I was up against like a lot and it was really just like me and my husband kind of battling through all of these things together and um and we pushed through it and I got pregnant and I got a bunch of contracts with insurance companies. So my clients didn't have to pay as much money. And then, and we grew to 12 clients. So we doubled our capacity. We grew to eight employees. So we doubled our staff. Then I had my baby, uh, Bodie, Tracy, and I was working up until the day before he was born and was forced to take some time off because I had a really difficult post-surgery experience. And then I had a very, very difficult traumatic thing happen again with myself and my husband. Um, and I still had to go back to work. I still had to show up and it was so hard. It was so hard but I did it just like everything else. I did it and I showed up and this was beginning of 2019 and it was a very difficult year. And then I, I had to get out of, I had to get out of the city. I couldn't live in Santa Barbara anymore where my business was. And I moved back to Orange County. And so I, then I was managing the business remotely from September, 2019 to today, I've been running the business remotely. So it's been like a year and a half and it's been tough. We keep growing. Our census is bigger now. We have more staff than we've ever had. And the business is beautiful. I'm so grateful that I pushed through everything that I pushed through to know that a city that needs a lot of help, <laughs> having lived there for 11 years, and knowing that the human population needs a lot of help, especially when it comes to addiction and mental health. And, and the business certainly saw that in 2020 through the pandemic, that a little place called Good Heart Recovery exists. And it is because of me. And that I did not allow my trauma and my anxiety to take me out. And that's what that center now teaches people. And I think that's an important lesson for everyone to know, because regardless of if you go on to become a social worker or a psychologist or a doctor, regardless of that, you can show up despite of your trauma, or maybe because you have an understanding that your trauma has, has given you and really allowed you to show up honestly and in a way that people need. And that's when you kind of started doing the truth doctor and started showing up online in a way that hasn't been done before because psychologists and social workers and, and people in this field are often made to show up professionally as that blank slate. And that didn't register with you. So why do you think you turn to social media? And if I wasn't important, 
to you to share your journey and your both personally and professionally through the platforms. Yeah. So I moved to Orange County in September of 2019. And I made my first post as the truth doctor, October 30th, 2019, on my son's first birthday. And the first year of my son's life was filled with me running from my trauma and my anxiety and trying to just be the professional that I needed to be. And that was causing a lot of pain in my family and a lot of disconnection from my son. And I thought like, I am back in the hometown where all I did was try to run from my trauma and my anxiety. I have four degrees, three businesses. I've moved probably 25 times in my lifetime and I'm right back where I started doing the same fucking thing. Running from my trauma and anxiety, pretending like it doesn't exist. And I really needed to start telling the truth. And what's interesting is that up until this point, I was telling the truth as the truth doctor. That was the intention was like, teach people what has helped you and talk about the fact that you have trauma and anxiety. And I was doing that. I did that starting October 30th, 2019 as the period truth period doctor on Instagram. I found TikTok in January because Instagram was still like curation, just psychoeducation, like all the therapists on there was just like, just facts, like just give the facts, give the facts, give the facts. And I was trying to do something different, like be super open. <clears throat> and so when I found TikTok, I was like, oh shit, people are really authentic and really vulnerable on this platform. And this is like the place for me. Like, this is where I can be like a therapist with trauma, anxiety, with trauma and anxiety. And I just decided that I was going to, I like, I know enough where I will, I, they cannot take my license away from me because I am a human being. And I wanted to teach that to other therapists. Like, and if they're going to try to take my license away and the people are going to learn my name a lot faster because that's not going to happen. And so I just kept pushing through it and people started to know my name and the organizations and the reigning bodies above me also did. And they weren't disapproving. And that showed me that I was doing something right. And that one of the truths of life is that we have reached a point where people need to start being able to be human. And my platform is where I allow myself to be human and that teaches other people how to do it too. Therapists and just regular people alike. Mm -hmm. So you now have over 1.6 million followers and 
your regular expert on Good Morning America. You're working with many different media companies. But throughout all of this, you've still been balancing your work with your treatment center. But that's changing. So let's talk about that change and let's get to this very exciting announcement. Yes. So I have not thought about how I was going to say this. Um, and I'm feeling that now. Today, I am no longer the owner of Good Heart Recovery in Santa Barbara. I have successfully exited a very, very difficult 15-year journey in my life. I have overcome my trauma and anxiety and have been rewarded with space, time, stability, and knowing that something that I created is going to go on to help people for a very long time. I am no longer the owner or the CEO of Good Heart Recovery. I am a licensed therapist that created a mental health business in a city that really needed it and found incredible human beings that are going to take it to that next level that I have decided to walk away from. And there's a reason for that. I said that I had overcome this 15 year journey of my trauma and my anxiety. But the thing is, is that I have and I haven't. For me, I kept my trauma and my anxiety at bay to reach today in my life. But I don't want to have to just hold it and live with it. I want to let it go. And what I've realized is that I am incredible when it comes to running a treatment center. I am an excellent CEO. I am an excellent business owner. And I don't want to, it doesn't fit me anymore. It doesn't fit me anymore. It doesn't make me happy because there is more to me. I'm capable of more than that. And maybe reaching the point that I have reached is the end goal for people. And that's amazing. And for me, being in a role that doesn't fit with who I am inside only keeps my trauma and anxiety at bay. I need to find a role that makes me feel free and that makes me feel creative and that makes me feel connected and that makes me feel helpful in the way that I was helpful at my treatment center. And the way that I was helpful at my treatment center was that I changed the game of treatment in my city. I did it differently than anybody else. And I was a different employer. I treated my employees differently. There's been articles written about how I treat my employees differently. And I taught therapists 
how to be human beings. And I want to do all of those things on a larger scale. That's what's next for me. It's to take these small goals and small accomplishments that I achieved in a small little craftsman house in the tiny city of Santa Barbara, California, and expand that globally, expand the message, expand the intention, expand healing for humans. Some that have the profession of therapists, some that have other professions, some that don't want a profession, some that just need a professional to talk to. I'm ready to change the game and go from Santa Barbara to the world. And you're going to be doing that in two very exciting ways. So let's talk first about the Truth Doctor and the brand that you've built and everyone listening here. What does that mean for the Truth Doctor brand? Where does this mean you're going now? That's a good question. And I, I don't know a hundred percent. But what it means is being fully available for being fully available to share my message and showing up as the guide for professionals in this field. Like I'll take the risk first. And when you see that I'm okay, you can take it too. And that's been a very unexpected and I think very fitting role that I have found myself in organically. So I'm going to be a human being that shows up in her truth as a therapist on the internet, making videos, making posts and heading a movement of dismantling what a professional is supposed to be and dismantling people's understanding of trauma and of the parents that have reigned over them, society, systems, parents, teachers, bullies, even the ones inside their own head, dismantling and showing up and taking the lead in helping people actually feel free, helping people learn that there are more streets in their neighborhood than they could ever imagine. And there's a lot more opportunity for therapists and for humans than we might think right now. Mm -hmm. And I know that an individual and through a personal brand and through what you built can, can do that and can have an impact, but you've also made a decision and why I'm the one facilitating this conversation because you've decided to join Dive Through, my startup, as an investor and really a partner. Why? I'm so excited to share this. I'm so excited. Um, well, there is such a need for a woman-owned company focusing on mental wellness that is changing the game. There are women-owned companies that are mental wellness companies, but dive through 
is doing it differently. And dive through you, you believed in me. And the message of diving through what you go through is the message that helped me in my whole life over the course of my whole life. And what dive through is doing is making mental health content accessible, digestible, relatable in so many different inclusive ways, using so many different mediums and saying like, therapists are human beings. Human beings deserve to understand how to dive through what they go through, how to learn introspection. And we're trying to make the world a better place. I believe in the way that you have shown up for me. I believe in the way that you have shown up for your employees from what I can see as a current client, soon to be partner. And um, you guys like dive through is what's next. Like if you, which I'm sure you do, if this isn't the first episode that you're listening to of this podcast, if you feel like you know me because of what I have shared, I hope that you know me as a human being that cares about myself, about how a company runs, and about the world. And if you know that, then you can trust this decision. I trust this decision. I think the world deserves dive through, deserves it, and needs it. And I am so happy that you emailed me. And I was hesitant. I'm like, who is this? <laughs> and once I met you, I was like, this is it. This is it. Because I, our stories are very similar, Sophie. We're like, they're like mirrors. <laughs> and I trust you. And I know that my life's mission is to help change what therapists mean to people and what it means to be a therapist and what it means to get help and what people think help looks like. And this is the platform to do it. This is the company that's already doing it. And I am honored and so excited because you guys, it's going to get wild. <laughs> uh, I'm like getting emotional over here and and I want to kind of take a second to talk about a conversation that we had like very early on and we like vibed over it because we were kind of talking about your approach to things and how you don't necessarily talk about things to do. 
not tools, really actionable tips, you know, yes, do mindfulness, move your body, breathe, do all of that. And, but what you do want to focus on and what your platform is really about is understanding yourself. And let's say understanding your truth, because everyone's truth looks differently. And I really, really connected with that. And I want to explain why. And it's when I started on my mental health journey, not having the education of a professional, I kept on going from thing to thing, from tip to tip, from exercise to exercise, just like hoping, like, please give me what I need to fix myself. And it was as if these tips, these practices were going to be those missing puzzle pieces inside of myself. And then I learned that that's not the case. And what I actually had to do was understand myself, get to know myself. And I think when you and I connected over that fundamental belief to mental health, that was a like clicking point lights on because I think that's where a lot of the resources when I look at the mental health space are hung up there is this need to give tools and tips and that has a time and place but that is not truly going to lead to this shift in mental health to understanding ourselves to finding the truth of ourselves and I just I feel we're so aligned in that and like you said, very similar journeys in our own way and our own traumas and and different, I don't even want to say levels, but just different experiences there. And I'm, I'm truly so honored. And, you know, for people listening, I was super serious throughout this interview because I'm nervous and I promise I'm not, dive through is not super serious because there's a time and place and, and mental health education is shifting. And that's what we're seeing seeing with TikTok and what we can do online and making things accessible and what your platform's all about. Yes. I love that you said that because that is absolutely what it's about. It's like a mental health is so gatekeep, gatekept. Like if you don't have the funds, if you don't have insurance, then you can't get the help. You can't get those tips and tools that like the person like that holds the education is trying to give you. And like, it's the education. It's like learning about how your body and your mind work, checking in with yourself every day. What is really going on for me? And giving yourself that time to introspect in so many different situations that you may find yourself in, in life. And like in any of those situations, the first thing to do is like, stop and do some reflection. And that's actually what I did after I met you, Sophie, I did some reflection and I was like, this isn't my role anymore. Like this treatment center, like I have a different calling. And you were definitely part of that for me. And I am just so excited to say that we are doing this together or I'm on this journey with you. And I'm so excited because you guys there, we have so much planned to help you. 
to help you. That's the point of Dive Through, a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. And it's a pretty no bullshit company, you guys. I'm just going to say it is because Dive Through is breaking barriers and showing up in all different realms, technology, media, closing the gender gap, being international, changing what it means to be a professional, changing what it means to get mental health information and doing it with good intention. And that's really part of it for me. That was, you know, I had good intention of starting Good Heart Recovery and I successfully exited and that company is going to go on to help so many people and dive through it was created with good intention and with a story. And we're here to help you through yours. Mm -hmm. I love that. And speaking of story, one, I guess, one last question, maybe to wrap this conversation of, and really this conversation won't end because this is really just the starting point, but let's take a moment to reflect on your journey, your trauma, your impressive accomplishments within school, building a multi-million dollar outpatient treatment center, exploding on social media and becoming a leading voice in the mental health space, and now investing and joining in a mental health startup. Do you feel empowered now? That made me so emotional when you just asked that question. <laughs> um, wow. Good job. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I do. I know, like you said earlier, like not like you don't want to ask what my like what I would say to my childhood self, but like, holy shit, that like definitely like brought brought something up for me. Like, yeah, I do. And I think if I would say anything to my childhood self, it would be, <laughs> I mean, it might be a little overwhelming to be like, just wait 25 years and everything will be okay. But um, yeah, it happens. You get there and you push through it and you find the power that you always had that you thought your anxiety and trauma took away, but it was always there. I feel very empowered and it still feels a little uncomfortable to say that, <sighs> but I'm ready. I don't think I've ever been more ready like my body and my mind can't take pushing it down any longer. And, and I can't ignore my purpose. I can't ignore it. My life has meaning and I'm excited to actually see what that means on this journey with you. Well, thank you for for allowing me to be a part of this, this journey and for allowing us all to be. And I will step out of the hat of dive through and I will step into the shoes of a listener of yours because that's what I started as. And the world needs you, Dr. Tracy Courtney. 
we need your your voice your viewpoint and you are appreciated so much because you've chosen to show up as you are and that is truly the most incredible and empowering thing to see so thank you on me as the dive through founder but also on behalf of your audience thank you for allowing people in and for truly giving yourself to the importance of helping people find the truth within themselves you're welcome <laughs> and that's hard to say but you're welcome and thank you because I used to not let people believe in me and I used to not believe in myself. And now I believe in a fuck ton of shit. And I believe in people getting better. So to close, like I always do, my name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I was just interviewed by Sophie Gray. I am now her partner in Dive Through. I am no longer the owner and CEO of Good Heart Recovery. And just like the video that you probably saw on Instagram, the truth is you might be good at something. It doesn't mean that it's making you happy. And sometimes it's time to change. Thanks for tuning in to the Truth Doctor podcast with Dr. Courtney Tracy. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. See you in the next episode.